This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Alrighty, thank you so much, AV, for our major news. Of course, we got a news brief coming up at 8 o'clock. When I wake up in yeah. the morning, love. All powered by Champlain Auto Services, all right? Uh, before we get into any more results, quickly let's take a look at what's happening traffic-wise. It's been a busy morning on the north-south route. Uh, so I'll start out in the East Santa Rosa, slow going, coming out to Mirror Road, also got some traffic, Piaco towards Yui, Arang- well that's a bit heavy, Aranguez towards Barataria, volume, and then from Barataria to Port of Spain you got some traffic there, nothing out to the west so far, let's take a look what's happening on the solo, it is heavy leaving San Fernando, passing through St. Margaret's Village and Point of Pier, got traffic there, Taruba. Uh, headed towards the Marabella Roundabout, you've got some traffic. But leaving south, yep, you've got traffic straight up to where, uh, just before Cuba, where that accident is. All right? All right. And let's see if we get any more results. Um, right. Just doing a fresh air, guys. I had one from Jerry. Um... All right, Mo Guess wants me to do a little PSA. And he's saying a nice short white dog with black ears and eyes was seen walking around the savannah yesterday. If someone lost the dog and looking for it, they can call 789-8393. That's 789-8393. And Mo Guess also votes yes. So let's get the final results, guys. We support the call to remove the name Picton from our street signs and our streets and landmarks. We had 19 people weighing in. 13 said yes, 6 said no. 13 persons, people said yes to remove it, 6 people said no. All right. Thank you so much, Wendell. Um, maybe we can ask our guest that same question. And let's say good morning to Pastor Clive Dutton, my friend. How you going? It has been a long time. Good morning. It's been good a morning. while, my friend. I haven't seen you in so long. You have not aged. Recording in progress. <laughs> you look the that, same that way. Makes, good genes. That, that makes good um, music to my ears. Right, there you go. Oh, Wendell, you want to ask Pastor um, our morning poll question? Let's see what you, you think. Yeah, um, Pastor, Pastor Dutton, um, welcome to the Power Breakfast Show. Um, of course, there's a clarion call now. Well, I don't know how to describe it as a clarion call, but there's a call now to remove the name Picton based on his atrocities and so on and his historical past from our street signs and our landmarks. Um, it's been supported, of course, by Professor retired Professor Brinsley Samaru. Um, it's a call coming out of the Emancipation Support Committee. How, how do you respond to that call? I agree. This was a this was a horrible guy. It looked mm-hmm. to me. I don't know why he has to occupy critical spaces in our country. So I agree completely. 
Yeah, all right. Mm. What are you what what is the hundred years you're celebrating there, Pastor Dutton? That sign behind you there. Oh, the church in Latin America and the Caribbean is celebrating and the organization started in nineteen twenty-two. So we are celebrating that by creating I'm in charge of the creation of ten uh initiatives that will you know expand into several communities in the english-speaking caribbean from the virgin islands right down to guyana and Suriname. so that 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 is significant for me now. okay okay an interesting symbol it looks like sails on a ship yes what is happening for example uh in Suriname, they're adopting a geriatric home um with a school feeding another school feeding with a meals on wheels program that's one while they adopted a small island in the virgin islands and antigua to my mind has the best project well trinidad is adopting korea village and we started off with a health fair but to my mind out of the 25 islands the best project is the creation of a institution for the homeless in st john's okay. this project i got beyond and i'm in charge of that all right beautiful nice all right. Well, congratulations. A hundred years is a is a milestone. Is an achievement. A long time, yes. Any organization, yes. yes. Morning, Pastor Dos, Doctor Dutton. How are you? How are you, my friend? Long time. I'm good. Giving thanks and praise. Yes, to the Master. Yes, sure. Praise What's God. happening? How are you? I well, see you're busy. Always. Yes, I. I <laughs> somebody asked me yesterday. Uh, retiree from UE says, boy, when you're, when you're going to slow down? I said, well, you know, once I'm up and working, I want to do my best. But we are involved in some significant uh, school projects and looking at the inter-gang violence thing and a team of about 30 individuals, volunteers and myself, we are developing a plan for what we call in November, a first project, by the way, you know, the Caribbean Union Conference that I work for, we're into a new phase now. We just finished. We had President Paula May Weeks coming up to the conference of 237 delegates from the same 25 countries. And we have a, a team. My first project is the March Against the Assassins in the month of November. That is my first major project. Uh, the details are yet to be approved by the executive committee, but my boss has told me go ahead and develop the plan and bring it to him. But every year, the Anti-Drug Group Friends River has a major initiative where we climax our work in the schools for the year by helping the young people to make positive choices. This year, we've gone a little beyond that to what is called the, the March Against the Assassins. And that will the, the march will be the climax, really, but we're going to be spending time with youth groups and particularly special secondary schools whom we feel are being affected by drug dealers and gun dealers. I have just come out of a, a, a real rough situation. I don't know if you have been following me on the media, but the killing of a couple in Maruga. Um, I spent, people don't know this, but most of the two-year lockdown I spent in Maruga was I was working on some guys down there. The guy kept telling me, Pastor, during this pandemic, cocaine flowing like, you know, like a dose of salt right through the place. And I wasn't taking him seriously until Aruna Chance got shot. 
it got shot in the month of March. It it made headline news. Um, she's a thirty-seven. She was, I have to say, a thirty-seven-year-old mother, eight-year-old child. The child is now an orphan because three weeks ago, the husband and herself they were shot and killed. The luckily, the providentially, the eight-year-old son was not there. So I buried both of them. So I've been heavily involved in the follow-up to that case. Uh, we have the guy in a, the eight-year-old in a secluded spot. There's a plan for him, which I don't want to reveal now, but we have a guy in that spot. And then we have families in the East West Corridor uh, that we continue to relocate because they have death sentences posted on well, the Well, let's talk about that a bit. Uh, it yes. seems from the utterances of the Commissioner of Police and the Minister of National Security that we are not making the kind of headway that we would have hoped in gangs in the country. Why is that? Okay. Uh, I, I was invited by the HR department to talk to the HR officers in the an administrator to the police service on Friday, I think it is, at Center of Excellence. We have to break the back of the protection racket in I'm giving you my opinion. Um, let's go back to the case in Maruga. The killer is walking free. He's from down there. All right. If I know that, why why hasn't something happened? The, the witness to the murder spoke to me. I think he delivered a statement of 32 pages to the police. Now, when these gangs are emboldened, so what you have is you have a claim by relatives of unlawful shooting of certain criminals, all right? And then you have other officers, all right, who are protecting. See, you, you don't only have a war between students of different secondary schools and gangs. It, appar it appears to me, all right, and uh, watch how I'm guarding my language. It appears to me that you have two factions in the police service who are fighting each other. So you're weakening your whole process, you know, the whole process of fighting crime. That's one. Secondly, I don't think we we are we are too arrogant to learn from the gang culture. The gang culture has an amazing recruitment program. I'll give you one example. At a certain secondary school, I was called in. Um, to talk to some of the young young people. And there was a guy outside of the gate, a student of that school waiting. And amazingly, the guidance officer told me he has come to collect. I said, what do you mean by collect? He's a student in school, yes. Uh, have you expelled him? No. So collect money for what? She says for cocaine and marijuana. You know, this, this, this is now in this country. I'll give you a quick for the graduation time. I normally do about 15 graduations. This year was less because of the COVID. But this principal told me last month, he says, Pastor, I have had to deal with a very perilous situation. I said, what's the situation? He said, about a mile from here, we have another secondary school. And you have the junior drug dealer. I said, okay, what do you mean by that? He says, we're working for an adult in the community. All right. And the junior drug dealer of that secondary school has successfully recruited some of the students. And he says it's dangerous stuff because the, the junior drug dealer from the adjacent secondary school, a mile off, is pushing stuff. I say, have you reported that? He says, well, we're in the process of reporting that. But the process takes so long. 
So it appears to me we have to speed up the whole process of getting these criminals, these gang leaders. Uh, they seem to be splitting, divide and rule the police service down the middle. And we, we don't seem to be anxious enough to deal with the cocaine trade because it appears of, it has a strong relationship to the politics of the country. And currently, Shara dealt with that significantly. Remember what she said about the cocaine trade driving, you know, the, the economy driving and, and the campaign finances of, of, of politi polit major political institutions. So that I think there are several factors, and I just mentioned three there to you. And of course, I agree the Prime Minister on this, your parenting. Because remember, some of the drug dealers and gun dealers are parents themselves. They have children too. I, I, I have bounced up in my, okay, 16 and 22. I am 38 years in this business. All right? And there are, there are families that have three generations of, of drug involvement. Grandfather, parents, and grandchildren. So, it, and, and, and by the way, the army of volunteers shrinking. Huh? I am still there. I did 73. But so, so are you saying with, without intervention into the corrupt officers in the police service, we can make no progress? Because, I mean, there's, I keep saying, we have, we have changes in the police leadership. We have changes in the Ministry of National Security leadership over the last 15 to 20 years, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to be getting worse. You, you, you're quite correct on that. It is, it is getting worse. And then you have to remember, I agree, you have a minority what I what I call an expanding minority, but the situation is so heavy that you have an expand. If you have an expanding minority in the police, in the prisons, a few grow guys in the army, all right. And I have said before, behind every consistently correct, um, corrupt cop is a is, is a businessman, a police officer, um, a businessman an attorney and a politician. Mm -hmm. I have said that over and over and over. And I believe that with all my heart. And the evidence is pointing in that direction. I, I will tell you something that is alarming to me. The criminals have no respect for anybody. Look at the killings in Port of Spain. We're now arguing, you know, about whether Port of Spain is safe or not. And that, that's a big discussion. You know, I'm watching the news last night. That's a, a significant discussion. That discussion going on Beyond 10 days, is it safe to come into a port of Spain and not safe? But you have to ask the question, where exactly is safe? You know, that, 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 that is, to my mind, very significant. So that you have the conglomeration of the minorities in your protective services, in, um, in a political directorate, in your business thing. Cocaine is not planted here. The coca plant is not planted here. It is planted in temperate or mildly temperate uh, not planted here. So what you have is that it's imported and it's flowing through the country. I am telling you, uh, with all the talk we have done, with all the work we have done, it is it is flowing through the country. And uh, you know, then they did. I I we at infinitum we're discussing about the judiciary and and law reform and everything else. But with that that is a that is a major issue too, because as you had pointed out to the Senate when I was around. You have people who have served more time in the prison waiting to be tried than the maximum sentence would guarantee. So you have fellas there, the maximum sentence is 10 years. They're spending 12 years there already. I have had some interviews recently because we have a thriving uh, prison ministry, you know, behind prison walls. 
Although Brother Barker is not doing so well these days, you know, Richard Barker, he's not doing so well these days. But the guys who are in charge and they tell me all kinds of horror stories there. So prison reform has to be a big thing, huh? Because otherwise, if you don't have prison reform, you have the, the prisons being an academy of crime. Mm. So, so if you're saying elements in the police service corrupt, element, supported by big businessmen, supported by politicians, with a weak, well, a, a, a wounded ju- judicial system. Right. Where well, are we going? Yeah, where are we going we, as a country? Where are we going? Where, well, where does the light where, point us in the direction of the light, if at all? The light has to be, okay, that we have to have, we have to make volunteerism, to my mind, a major national issue. Because we could talk until, you know, we blew in the face unless we have a, a major volunteerism. And then. But how is volunteerism, of, and I, I support volunteerism, but how is volunteerism? going to get the give the, the political directorate the will to weed out the corrupt politician weed out the corrupt police weed out the corrupt businessmen when they are such powerful networks yeah. involved I mean the, 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 the suggestion that our economy and I heard this from, from um, Selby Wilson over 15 years ago that at that time over 15 years ago he suggested that the economy was 35 to 40 percent underwritten by the drug trade yes and the iadb before i answer your question the iadb the inter-american development bank is saying that the drug trade now is equivalent to your national budget okay one third of your gdp that that they made that statement three years ago so that that's that's as recent as you know i mean 2019 so that you have, the, but I'm saying start where we could start, because I, I am convinced that unless, you see, we have the recruiting, so they feed in the gang. So as one gets shot, you have one coming in. We have two or three young people coming in. So I, I, I would say as a pastor, folks will condemn me if I don't say that, but I, I, I should say it. I, I'm convicted. We need a whole spiritual retooling of the entire society. All right, because it, you know, what if Utah said, yes, there is something lacking inside. There's a spiritual deficiency. A lot of young people are growing up in loveless, godless homes. And then, so that I, I'm saying we have to increase the army of volunteers. Number two, the, the army of volunteers will have to look clearly at being the bridge between the honest police officers and parents because the need for parenting is significant. If you look at what's happening with the police club in St. James with Officer Shabadi, I am a critical part of that with the PRO. We just had a visit from the um, High Commissioner from Jamaica. Uh, we have a lot of young people. The age at which you have juvenile delinquency is decreasing. You know, you go 16, 15, 15, 13. We're down to the 11 to 13 age group now. And we, we, are, we have been, you know, moving away. Some of them young, young people. Is a, the police youth club in Diego Martin, Sierra Leone, is a safe space. We have to create many more safe spaces. And then the churches and the state will have to look at seriously doing what has not been done. We did it. We're doing it sporadically. But a significant, well-structured uh, program for empowering parents. The whole issue of single parenting has got to be looked at significantly. Most of the single parents are women. There, there, there's an increasing number, an alarming increasing number of 
parents, uh, men alone, where the mothers have left their children and the fathers are taking care of them. But that is in the, that is in the minority. So we have all these issues. And I, I keep saying we have to have the will to fight this thing. I'm not sure what politicians have the will. Unless they have the will, some may say because they corrupt like hell. So, you know, they don't want to fight it. But we are among the honest ones, and they are honest ones. We have got to have the will to, to move forward on this thing. I, I mean, I'm listening. But I, I can't begin to imagine young people in this day and age using cocaine, especially after they would have seen what it has done to their their uncles, their fathers, their grandfathers, and 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 and, and largely account for most of the homeless people on the street. And, and I'm saying that without the without any evidence. But I can't begin to imagine why cocaine is still such a big issue. Well, give me a little minute here mm -hmm. about in 2022, right? And about 12 years ago, I was in Barbados. You know, Barbados has a serious challenge now. But mm -hmm. all you see me, I'm actually all over the international stage. I mean, cocaine, and I warned Barbados about this 12 years ago. I went to every secondary school. And in one of the schools I went, the form four and form five boys were pushing the cocaine within the school system and the ganja. And they one to three, and they had the best girls in the school. And I told him, you don't fix this problem, you're in trouble. All right. And they're in trouble right now. Their attorney, the suspended attorney, and the whole family who died. All right. And people said it was a fire. I mean, I have posted, if you follow me on Facebook, the real truth behind that. And nobody has challenged me yet on it. They were executed. Two children, mother and father. Now, that is where Barbados has reached. And there's a, there's a, a cry and alarm there. And, and it's the same thing here because... You have a dangerous situation, and I think the media and perhaps you all could, I mean, pilot this. I am not seeing much in the media about parents who have their children in secondary schools doing the pushing for them and in the community doing the pushing for them. I'm not seeing that. And I'm not seeing the relationship between prostitution and the young people. This year, I went to a secondary school in Grandy. There are a few of them well, so I wouldn't name the school. But I went to talk, they had an interfaith service. After interfaith service, providentially again, I was preaching in where we have the conference office next to the Masaba there, the Adventist um, conference office, Dean Street. Mm -hmm. And Paul, you should know it well. Yeah, I know it. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. And uh, the, there's the teacher from that same school was there. She said, Pastor, I want you to help us. And without saying too much to compromise, she said the form four and form fives are pushing, and the form ones to three are using. So clearly there's a case for the Ministry of Education and the school supervisors and the district school supervisors to move in because I have, I have gone public with, with that, with that scenario. And, and it's not a one school scenario. That's why I am saying we have got to look at models. I mean, I hate to say it from a way like Lifeboat 14, where retirees and parents would man the school during the break period and during the, the midday, the lunch period just to, I mean, bring some peace and sanity as you move on to other things in terms of building a strong PTA and that kind of thing. But, um, and then you have so much division in some of these institutions. But we have to decide as a country where we want to go. We have to go. We have a few success stories, but we're losing too many. You know, yeah. as we save six, we lose 10. And, 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 and that, yeah. that is the situation there. Mm -hmm. Do you think then, Pastor Dutton, that our culture of 
highlighting and reporting all these ills um, is working negatively against us as opposed to all the good things. Because, I mean, when you drive around the country and you pass by sporting grounds and so on, you see a lot of young people. You pass by some of the churches, you see a lot of young people. You know that, they, um, that, that they're doing things in the communities. But it's hardly ever highlighted. It hardly ever makes the news. Do you think our media and our, well, including social media, is to focus on the negatives in, in our society? Well, that you have raised a vital point. And I mean, I don't know how my friend, I, call, I, always, I always love to call him Brother Paul, Brother Pablo. I don't know how it, it sounds natural, Brother Paul. Yes, yeah. But yes. I, I, I agree with you totally. I agree with you totally. I mm. did an address on the Emancipation and or the Penal Sports Foundation. I think it was one of the most significant emancipation programs in, on Monday. And they had a march. They, it, it was interfaith perspective. It was a, they had several stop meetings. They went to hotspots because the guys were telling me in penal that you have a situation in the police and the drug guys too, you know. And, and they asked me to come down. In fact, the guy who asked me to come down is the head of the nursing faculty in UWE, Dr. Ocho. You may know of him. And I told them significantly, is it Akili? You call him the guy who got shot, who Achille, championed yeah. the whole for murder accused. The, the front pages were dominated by crime and violence on Emancipation Day. And, and by the way, we have to look at the issue of how do we treat with the, those who are success stories. Look at Ajamu Crosby. Let me give you an example. So I agree with you totally. And, and you in the media have got to address the media, speak truth to power in the media because some media people get very they are suffer from a lot of angst when you tell them what you just said. Mm-hmm. Some people in the media don't hear that at all. They say you're criticizing them, you're not dealing with the real issues, etc. But I, I, I made a significant point about Jamu Crosby. In 2016, Jamu Crosby scorched the Cape exam, first in the region, all right? And in the sciences, too. He was physics, maths, genius. Tom Beaton, father walked out in them, 2016. It's six years now. He just published a book. And, and perhaps I could arrange for him to come and have a chat with you all. Because he is unemployed. He has a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering. And he is unemployed. Why I mention this? Why couldn't Ajamu, and people like Ajamu, because you have Marcel, you have a few others, dominate the front page? Mm. Rather than this, this murder of this guy, you're not sure what his lifestyle was all about. You have pictures of him walking with two other guys when he was set free. And that kind of thing. But why it had to be, why you had to, on uh, Emancipation Day highlights, you know, front page, murder stuff, you know, all of that. And um, I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. I think there needs to be a re-engineering of the media also in terms of positive role models, because we have positive role models. Yeah. We're losing too many young people. And I'm not saying don't you highlight. Know, I'm fighting in my mind to, to, to try to counteract you two on that. And I can't proffer an mm-hmm. argument. Because the the while I agree that the media has a stronger role to play in identifying positive stories, because they are, when you look at international media, there is a concerted decision. Is you can tell there's been a decision to balance the front page stories because the front page stories yes, have a, yes, a psychological yes. effect on the country as a whole. So you would find that if there is a positive sporting story, the Yankees win, so so it, it lifts New York psyche for the day. You understand? Because mm-hmm. crime will happen in every jurisdiction mm-hmm. or most jurisdictions. And yes, when you look at 
um, days like Emancipation Day, when there's a plethora of positive, uplifting images that could have graced the front page because guess what? The crime on, on page two ain't have any less value than on page one. Mm, of course. <laughs> but of but course. but the overall impact will be more progressive on page one for emancipation pictures and stories. You're right. There needs to be a a, a decision about from editors about what their role is in uplifting mm-hmm. society as opposed to just the constant diet of negativity that we see on the front pages. I agree with that. But yeah. also there's the other argument that the media also will reflect what's in society. So there right. needs to be okay. a balance of what's in society reflected. Mm-hmm. Going back to the original point of balance and yeah. positive stories because there are positive stories. Yeah. Of course. But you answered that yourself just now in a poll. I in know that, I answered that, myself. That crime happens every day. But yeah. some of yeah. these achievements of these young people doesn't happen every day. And we need to highlight it when it does happen. You yes. Because sure. I part, you drive through back streets, and I was driving through a back street the other day. I think it's Stone Street one night. And I saw a bunch of young people, and I said, what are they doing there in the dark? Guess what they were doing? Practicing a dance move and singing. But if you looked at them, if police had passed and looked at them, Police, police may have gotten in the, in the other on, on another opinion. But then the fundamental question is what you're asking. What mm-hmm. we're asking is, um, like any other institution, because we speak about the judiciary, we speak about the executive, we speak about the opposition, we speak about the clergy, the, the religious bodies. And because the media has been identified in our constitution as a significant institution, we have to ask ourselves, like every other institution, the business community, what is the overall role of the media in national development? Mm-hmm. And if we answer that honestly, we, and the media can then look at itself and say, am I fulfilling that role? Is my role only to, to um, reflect the, the news, what's happening on a daily basis, which is part of the a significant part of the role, or is my role wider in terms of providing a lens for society in a balanced manner mm-hmm. that will help in national development? Because if the country crash, the media can't survive anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? Well, let me. Could I? Could I show you what what I'm what, what where we are? We're dealing with one case. I have a case where I'm dealing with. 12, family of 12, okay, in the middle of the corridor, where there's been significant shooting, where there's an assassin walking free, and he is an assassin. So they are targeting a particular young man, and we we got him out of the area. Um, the mother piloted that. Um, the mother is married to the father. It's another common law situation. But the father has very little to do with the children, and they don't want 10 children. When the boy... Um, was accused of being part of the the ISIS Rasta City gang warfare um, in Tanapuna, and I'm calling the name of the place now, in Tanapuna. Um, the church got involved, Tanapuna SDA Church, and they called me, and the mother got on to me. The mother is a struggling working mother. Uh, already one of the children, not yet 18, has a child, so statutory rape took place there. I mean, and by the way, we still have 2,000 teenage pregnancies every year. And that has to be addressed. We could jump high. We could jump low. So here's a grandchild in the mix of all of that. And the mother, and I'm talking about current stuff. Huh? The mother, I rushed up there. And the mother told me, she said, Pastor, three gunmen came in there. And it's by the mercy of God. My last three children, the eight-year-old and the six-year-old and the four-year-old wasn't killed. She says, well, you look. And she cried me to the spot. We had to do some repairs to the home because 
were open to all the elements, including the gang element. And in that house in Tanapuna, they are actually at the epicenter of the gang warfare. The epicenter. And so you have a door that not, you know, attached properly to the rest of the house. So we had to deal with that, you know. Now, what I'm saying is the, we have the boy high in hiding. So I had to go and see him because he needed some money. And we were down city gate. That was where we met. And there is a lovelessness that young people experience in this society. Paul and Wendell and the rest that Steve, that has to be addressed. What do I mean by that? This guy to me is 19 years older than that threat because he's accused of pulling the trigger that killed a father and the daughter. And he said, you know something, Pastor? I wish I could stay with you right through. I said, it's not possible. No, but let's talk to that in the future. And I got the impression from him that he wanted to hang out that day with an adult who was mature and an adult who cared for him. Now, caring might make news, if you understand, back with the media again. But it is clear to me that there are a lot of young people who the gang dealers care for. They are searching for caring rather than searching for killing people and being involved in the gun trade. Well, if, if and, any, you, you, and you, you well know, because I know it's part of what you studied, like myself. I mean, gangs are extremely structured in a way that they are able to attract young people and make them feel like part of a collective. Everything they missed at home, they get in a gang for all the wrong reasons. Sure, and that's why sure. gangs are able to attract young people because they make a young person who has not had the attention at home, not had the support at home, not had the, the encouragement at home to feel a part of something, do it something that's illegal and something that's wrong. But they get the same feeling that they would have gotten in a, in a kind of family-like situation. And, they, and then that's why they go out and do whatever the gang tells them to do. And, and, right. we, and we have to understand that and, and why gangs proliferate anywhere, not only in Trinidad, to be good, anywhere in the world. Sure. What are we doing, as you both said earlier, to, to provide alternatives to that? The volunteerism thing is part of it. Make you feel better. Remember when we had Cubs and Scouts and Girl Guides that were strong in the country that you could, your child could go and join something and learn something and be a part of something greater than themselves. We don't have that many of those anymore. The Police Youth Club is one of them, but it's just one in a in our society has grown so much and not provided the kind of support it should. And Paul, and, and the rest of you, let me just tell you this. The scout movement, the guide movement, the pathfinder movement, the cadet movement, because cadets are still around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm saying we need to have a strong leadership development program for leaders of these volunteer groups. And when I talk about volunteerism, I'm, I'm talking about all of that. But some of these are still around, the pathfinders and they, but if, if I had to deal with this thing, I'll be honest with you. Groups like police, you club, so all. I will multiply so all. I will invest heavily in so all. My lot and my part, I will totally decentralize. It must go in different areas because there are heavy success stories out of my lot too, you know. Don't forget my lot. My lot and my part are two very successful organizations. Yes, the mm. Civilian Conservation Corps. What we have to do, so we have projects and still with all the social media and things, some people, some parents who even know how to access some of these services. So it's, it's, it's vitally important. Why I talk about leadership in some of these groups? I went to one of the groups, all right? I think it was this Billion Conservation Corps, a group in the northeast of Trinidad. And I saw a retired soldier trying his best to control those young people. And he's doing a horrible job. 
he just wasn't able to cope. And I, I, I got in the middle of the mix with the young people there, only to discover the very, the most pretentious girl there was a drug dealer inside there. All right. And she was making a presence felt while I was there. So that's how she markets herself. And she was pushing the drugs inside there. So that I, I am thinking youth leadership has got to be a major issue going forward of community group. And we must make it a, a, a cause for national concern uh, while the government's program expand. But these are some of the things we have to do. Now, I should tell you, um, things like police clubs and those things are regarded as soft policing. That, that's a misnomer if ever there was one. Okay, hmm. because these guys are doing great programs. You have 14-year-olds who are handling guns. I just intervened in a situation of a 14-year-old girl, a 14-year-old guy, all right, who went to the gun trade already. And the parents called me to go in. I called Officer Shabbat and we both went into the house to break up that thing. So that I am saying we are in a crisis and all of us must take a, a certain level of responsibility, speak truth to power and do what we can. But all what we discussed here are issues that the state must integrate as the budget coming up just now into its machinery. Yeah. And yeah, the, that mentorship program, I think, is, is, is vital. And we could do it you know, without, without a structure. If everybody takes the responsibility to listen, look out for at least one person. Could be a member of the family, could well, just be a well, member of the community. Think you of this know? suggestion for a minute. This country provides millions of dollars in gate support. And I've said this over many years. Mm -hmm. And once you're Trinidad Tobago nationally eligible, I benefited from gate. You understand? And I have always thought that part of the requirement for accessing gate, that the government pay for, whether it be your undergrad or part of your master's, is that you have to provide some sort of volunteer service at an assigned area. Mm. You yeah. shouldn't get it for free. Yeah, exactly. You understand? Because it, yeah, it sets sure. a bad precedent in your mind. So it's not a job. You're not working it off, but you are assigned a role in an elderly home to supervise children. You're going to do undergrad, which means you have some basis in maths and English at some level. Mm -hmm. And you are uh, to clean up a park, to clean up a beach, and you have the, the Ministry of Youth Affairs can be the coordinating body for that. Where they assign you, if, if your course of study is four years, for two of those years, you have to put aside a certain number of hours every week to fulfill this task as part of the requirement of you keeping that gate money coming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who loses with that? Yeah. yeah. Nobody loses. And you also right. instill in the person a sense of responsibility. I don't know if we have the time to take a couple calls with Pastor Yeah, sure, Martin. sure, no problem. Yeah, um, so we could open the lines. We have uh, as our guest, Pastor Clive Dutton, this morning, and I'm sure I'm getting a lot of messages about the conversation we're having. So I know a lot of people want to want to participate. You could call in now to do to talk and six one two talk, and have a chat with Pastor Clive Dutton. You know, you might have an idea that that we haven't thought about, you know, thus far, and you could bring it forward this morning. You know, and when, when sometimes when you see a lot of the banks and financial institutions this, declaring these hundreds of millions of dollars in profits, you wonder sometimes now, if they couldn't put a little more. Eh? When they're even now, now, even now, even eh? now, yeah, even now. Are we talking about four percent? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're more so now in some instances. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, so banks and insurance they make no. They lose banks in particular. They didn't lose money during the pandemic. You know. No. 
banks made more money because they found ways to, to, to pivot and go online and charge you for the online thing too more. Well, and, and a lot of people couldn't even spend the money that they were working for. It just had to stay there. They had nothing to spend it on. They had nowhere to go, you know? Yeah, well, you but had to pay bank, more for food. Your money mean, you remained in the bank, <laughs> you know? So yeah, maybe it, they could it, put out a little issue. more effort to help people. Yeah, Republic Bank has said a billion dollar profit so far. Mm -hmm. Good morning. Good morning. Hello? Hey, morning, morning, morning. Wendell. Morning. Hey. Dr. Hey. Morning, sir. Morning, morning, man. Yeah, Dr. Nice, yeah. nice, nice to hear your voice, man. Yeah, same here, nice same here. Be, it has been a long nice time. Nice to be in the land that you live in, boy. Yeah. Nice to be in the land that you live in with people falling on there, boy. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Patrick, do you, you have know, a question or a suggestion? Uh, and, um, Without that, anyone talking about the youth mentorship program, boy. Yes, right? yes, yes. I watching one of your brethren of Jamaica, Samuel. Have a nice big program with that, brother. Um, yes, yes, sure, some, sure. Some some weeks back, I was in a line. Uh, some youth men and young ladies came in the line. All of the line, but a youth man here was talking and then. And he graduate and come and he said, and he said, boy, he said, you know, I see this happening, Deja Vu. Yes. Yeah, the boy tell me now, he said, listen, I do enough thing, boy. I fed up, I fed up lying with them people out there, boy. I want to lie with different people. And as he was talking about the man on the house with you, I said, some of them, you man, one example, boy. They want guidance, boy. They fed up. It's set up. Yeah. So, so we need to keep our mentorship program. We could mentor a youth. Everybody mentor a young man and things. Because some of them fellas want to come out on that. Eh? They you want are, to come well, out listen, on that life, boy. Pat Patrick, you are yes. completely correct. And I, I called that experience where the guy wanted to hang with me for that day. I, I, was, I was cramped for time. But I agree with you totally. In fact, I feel we are misreading the youth population generally. A lot of them want to come out and looking for somebody to lean on. I agree with you um, co uh, completely. And when I look around and think, when, the, when I look around, in my area, a handful of youth really gain trouble. But the majority of youth, they do the positive and things. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel too. Because... If you go to all them churches and they see among the youth occupy themselves in education, in church, and then by temple, the mosque. It's only a handful of fellas, boy. Two, three bad apples for the whole month. You understand? I ain't sure it's just two, three bad apples now, eh? Yeah, but we are the to win them, boy. We are yeah, we have to win them. All right, yeah, thank you, Mr. Patrick. We mustn't give up. Yeah. And we mustn't take the attitude, which is sometimes how I get um the the impression from our security services is that just leave them let them kill out one another and hopefully the right. problem will go away you get that impression that that's what's happening of course <laughs> i mean i um when i you are mm. hitting the nail on the head there mm. that is the attitude and when the murder rate is 105 more than the same time last year we wonder but like we miscalculate yeah because part of the problem with us is that once it's not my child involved, mm -hmm. I don't care a hell about anybody else. Yep. And yep. that has crept into the society. And it's unfortunate. And by the way, I know we don't have time. I see we have a minute to eight. But I, I, I'm saying the division in the politics is not helping us. 
we're still back in the 1840s with the politics of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is divisive. It yep. is vicious. Yep. It is horrible. And you know how they unite? They unite for evil. So the fellas say, you know, it have a certain drug lord down the road. You know, he contributed to both parties. Yeah. NM and UNC. <laughs> so you, you unite for evil. Yeah. You can unite for righteous developmental. Yes, problems. yes. Because one side, once, once one side in opposition, the crime yeah. is bad. The country going to hell. Of course, of course. And then because <laughs> you, so you will, you will say the worst things about your country because you want to run it yourself. Exactly. And, um, you know, a guy came to me yesterday and I closed off with this. He said, Pastor Boy, well, I know he, he, he has political leanings on one side. Huh? Mm. And he says, Boy, listen, man, you know, slow down, slow down. What he's actually telling me, don't speak truth to power. But mm -hmm, mm. he feel I, I nudging the other the other side, not his side. Right, so you're not right. being genuine. You're not being authentic yeah. at all. And I, I read him like a book. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> but we mustn't give up. And there's hope. Because no. when we say born, it makes a difference. Always, always, always. All right, Pastor. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. Yeah. Be safe Thank out there. Thank you so much, Thank Pastor Dr. All the best to you. Take care. Okay, Steve. God bless. All right. Take care. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.